welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Thank you, big boys in the sky. We are back home at our respective home studios. Barton Simmons over there, Chip Patterson here. Uh, we got to spend the weekend, and I hope that for those of you that joined us that you enjoyed it. Uh, it was Georgia and South Carolina. It was LSU, Alabama. Uh, if you tuned in on CBSSports.com or the CBS Sports app, you caught us during pregame, halftime, and postgame, which Barton included a 90-minute postgame slash pregame show. You did well. That, I, th- I, I had thought, fun I thought, with it. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was, uh, you know, hey, we're our job was easy. We were just talking ball. Yeah. Um, that was uh, – that was that was a good good time. I enjoyed it. Uh, shout out to uh, Matthew Coca and the entire staff. Um, you know Casey Kiernan and everybody else involved. That was a that that was a chore. You know the Georgia South Carolina. It was a we'll get we'll get to that game in a little bit. But you know they started running the ball up the middle. Clock was moving quickly. We're like okay, we're gonna break down every single uh, top twenty five game that's going on right now. And luckily uh, we had a good bit to discuss. So uh, where do you want to start, Barton? You want to you want to you want to start with the uh, with Kinnick Wo- Stadium, baby? Yeah, we got to start with uh, going to Woodshed, Iowa, fifty-five twenty-four. Absolutely, man. That was the that was the weekend right there. I mean, if that was the only story, I would have been content with the with a crazy weekend. But there was a lot more to chew on. Um, but I, I think you got to start right there in in, in the heartland. The uh the the funny phrase we were kicking around watching is just like Iowa is like the old Les Miles phrase from Death Valley it was like Death Valley where dreams go to die. It's like no, nah, that's Kinnick Stadium now. Like Kinnick <laughs> Stadium, it, when the light when the sun sets over Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City, it's where dreams go to die. I I think that uh, when you're looking at this, the like. How much of the Iowa offensive explosion, Nathan Stanley coming out for five tutties in this game, uh, as a team they roll up 243 yards of rushing. Like I was praising and crowning this Ohio State defense. I've been in love with this group. I've always loved their athleticism, the pressure they get up front. What happened here? Man, they got, they got worked. I rewatched the game last night, and this was – and not that I thought it was like this in real time, but there was no fluke. There was no um, – you know, JT Barrett had a couple tip balls that got – you know, yeah, there was that first pick six, but then Ohio State marched right back down the field, responded with a, with a touchdown where, where they looked, you know, 10 out of 10 type of drive. Um and Iowa had to respond again, and they did. And then, you know, for, for the first half, it was a back-and-forth game. And uh, I, I'm just so impressed with Iowa and and a few different aspects of it. One, Brian Ferentz, I thought, called an awesome game. Offensive coordinator. Offensive yeah. coordinator, son of Kirk, first year as the OC, previously was the offensive line coach. And obviously there's there's – uh, there's a microscope on him because this is his first year and, and does he deserve the gig because he's the, the coach's son and, and that kind of thing. But, um, man, I mean, it was – they had such a good game plan. They knew exactly what they wanted out of every play. 
and and he really trusted his quarterback Nate Stanley, and that was the other guy that really impressed me. Man, he was he was on it. Yeah, like he looked totally in control, and it helped that he was protected all day long. Like there was one sack, only one or t- a couple other times I can think of where he was even pressured. Um, with two starting offensive tackles that were freshmen. Um, and I, I just – I thought Iowa looked just so good. And to, to to put up 55 points, I mean, there were all kinds of like benchmarks in this game in terms of what they did to an Urban Meyer team or an Ohio State team. Most points, I think, since like 1994 um, that this team has given up. Um, you know, it, it just all over the board – Iowa was 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 breaking breaking records against this Ohio State defense. So this is supposed to be one of the best defenses of college football, and it's supposed to be. I mean, we we talked about it before the season. Greg Schiano calling this the best defensive line he's had ever, including the Bucks. Oh, great call! That's right. And here they are, and they can't even pressure the quarterback with a couple of true freshman offensive tackles, or not true freshman, but two freshman offensive tackles in a pro style offense. This is just all about Iowa, man. This is a this is this is about Iowa. I mean, I think obviously Ohio State didn't show up, but um, Iowa went out there and won this thing. Iowa has nothing. Uh, it's a six and three on the season, and has not gotten blown out. Lost to Penn State. We of course remember twenty one nineteen by two. Lose to Northwestern by a touchdown. Lose to Michigan State by a touchdown. Iowa is not going to be making the college football playoff. They are not going to be in the Big Ten Championship, but they have been a consistent team pretty much all season. I mean, even that uh, first game against Iowa State, when we consider sort of what Iowa State has become, like, no one, I'm not going to be out here trying to champion Iowa, but this is a, a team where I feel like we we gloss over the potential for Iowa to be uh this good right like we we imagine them as being able to to knock off a michigan or knock off an ohio state for them to be like a really tough out but i i i think that this in particular has me reevaluating uh the hawkeyes as a whole to the point where i'm like you know what like like when i was filling out my ballot for the uh, for the cbs sports 130 i was like this might be one of the 30 best teams in the country i put them in my top 25 yeah that's in like yeah, uh, I mean, did you have them there before no i didn't yeah I uh yeah. I, I was totally reevaluating this team and I was like, man, shame on me. You know? Shame on me for I mean, just because you've just been a hey, credit to being a model of consistency under Kirk Ferentz, but at the same time it's like, man, this particular team, the twenty seventeen group, uh, has been playing some pretty good football. I I that's it's always fun to watch just like you mentioned, just just beating them, right? Like winning winning at the line of scrimmage quarterback that is not making mistakes a defense uh josh jackson had three picks in this game yeah and they were some they had the one-handed grab the, the one was ridiculous <laughs> but i mean the all three of them were, were showing really good ball skills um it, it's you know it's funny like we talked about it down in fort lauderdale this weekend but um JT Barrett didn't fool me last week. Mm. You know, he may have fooled he may have fooled some folks, but I, I feel like I put it out there enough that I, I wasn't buying in yet. I needed to see more. He had a one really good game, and in that game, we didn't see him correct the things that have been issues throughout the year. And sure enough, in this Iowa game, good golly, 
really all they did they they played zone coverage. They tried not to get beat deep. They did a couple times early in the game. Corrected that. Played some robber coverage that that sort of allowed the defense to pick on some of those underneath routes. And they just made JT Barrett hit some windows, and he couldn't do it. And they they made him pay. And, and you know, and I think it. They also sort of spied him underneath and, and didn't allow him to run. So when he when he sort of had those got to his second or third read, he you know, he was trying to throw the football and and they broke on the ball and Josh Jackson made him pay every single time. He tested him. Um, and I think now we can look back and say, Hey, last week against Penn State was an outstanding performance, but he is still what he is. And and Penn State proved that, or I would I would rather prove that with that show over the weekend. All right, so uh, let's JT Barrett, Ohio State. Like what? We still got the Michigan State game coming up this weekend. We still got Michigan at the end of the season. Like how how do we feel about this Ohio State team right now? Before we get there, I'm curious. So I'm still like when you recalibrate this Iowa team. The Wyoming win looks a lot better. Wyoming's like five and three now. Iowa State, that that win, which looked like a oh man, they almost left Iowa State. Now all of a sudden, that's a pretty good win, right? For sure. Uh, you, North Texas is having a good year. Uh, they almost beat Penn State. Michigan State, they lost by one score. Michigan State's obviously really good, and Northwestern is is beating a lot of people in close games right now, and and is a solid football team. Uh, so I, I look at this game next week and all of a sudden I am stoked to see Iowa go to Madison and play Wisconsin I am fired I'm fired up about it but doesn't Camp Randall kind of give you a little bit of pause from pulling the trigger on the upset of course it does but I think we can we can say confidently that this is a legitimate test for Wisconsin oh which is something we haven't been able to say I think really confidently until this week hell yeah it is one of the best like we've got uh we had we're coming off a great slate this this next week is going to be really good too because uh like you mentioned Iowa Wisconsin is going to be awesome the other thing that it makes me uh fired up about that one was seeing the way that Wisconsin played in the second half against Indiana that was yeah. a that was a, a pulling that was pulling away from an opponent the way that a championship contender should and that gave me and that just makes me again really fired up for uh for that matchup this weekend. Yeah, I think this is the first time all year that I'm fully bought into Wisconsin. Yeah, it's just they've 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 it's been a war of attrition with me in Wisconsin and they've beaten me down and now after watching the way the defense dominated and and watching how Jonathan Taylor just gets on just sort of gets ahead of steam I, I do believe Wisconsin is potentially playoff caliber squad uh, I just hope they can get an opportunity to prove it and I think that's big for Iowa to go win that game and give them a what is now a resume builder as opposed to have to wait all the way to the Big Ten championship game really um, I guess they have Michigan too uh, to, to to prove something but that that's that's going to be nice um Ohio State though yes go ahead what 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 are your where are you at with Ohio State um I mean <laughs> I'm not ready to sell my that's the thing is like this was so bad this was so bad and like I'm still not ready to sell my stock I'm selling my stock in the sense well, yeah I, I guess I'm not ready to sell my stock in the sense that they can still beat anybody in the country but 
I, I do not want this team to be in the college football playoffs. They Ooh, don't deserve to be in it. Ooh, I like, okay. That's, okay, that is a stance that I can get behind because I'm playing this forward and I'm like, well, look, they could win out. I mean, I think I think they're going to beat Michigan State by two touchdowns. Yeah, they I, could. I mean, they're yeah, they absolutely could. But, and, and, and here we are though, and, and they've got two losses and neither of those losses were competitive. Right. You know, that's the problem. That's if you're the- going to lose two games and really two of your only tests on the road. No, the Oklahoma game was at home. But if you're going to lose two games and and both of them by 14 plus, then that's not that's not a college football playoff team. It's just mm. not. I got, and, I, and so I, I am I if, if Ohio State gets in, then I, somehow even works himself back in, even if we feel like because. It's all about this like eye test where we think Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country. They're so talented, and we suspect like eye test this. And look, I don't care about the eye test. I don't care how bad you can beat Rutgers. If you lose to to Iowa by twenty one points, and you lose to Oklahoma by what was that thirty one to 13, 18 points? Yeah, that's that, you can't get in the playoffs. You just can't. The sweet irony. Of the national director of scouting hating on the eye test. <laughs> I like the eye test. I yeah, believe no, you, in the eye test. Yeah, for when, sure. When you're allowed to apply it, like I think here you can't apply it. They've they've proven the eye test wrong. I I, I have been full. I've gotten my heart broken by Ohio State, but I like I like your if they should not be in the. I think that they can win the rest of their games in the regular season, and they can probably beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game, which. Would I think keep the Big Ten out of the college football playoff? Like Ohio State could ruin it for the Big Ten. Yeah, I think. I mean, still this weekend, I was trying to look like because it could get. It seems like it could get kind of crazy, but ultimately it boils down to just Michigan State, Ohio State winner is the Big Ten East champion, right? Yeah. More than likely. Yeah. Unless because because we're Michigan on Michigan to go and win to you know beat Wisconsin and beat Ohio State. Uh, which seems unlikely, and then and then I don't know what it, you know, I don't know what the tiebreaker is then, but you know it's hard for me to see the loser of this game this weekend not being a Big Ten East champ. The uh, well, because Penn State's out of it now. Like, how quickly did that happen for Penn State? Right, like it was so. It would have been such a great conversation today to talk about if if Penn State had won that game and had lost to Ohio State. But Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship, and Penn State gets left out of the playoffs, which would have been the exact flip of last year. Um, it would have just been a sweet irony. No, to Penn, Penn State get yeah, in. Penn State getting in. Yeah. Ohio State. Yeah, because then you would be like, well, Penn State's only got one loss, and that one loss was to the Big Ten champion in a very competitive game, and it was in uh, it was in Columbus. You got to put the Nittany Lions in. Like I think you can make a case. That Michigan State is is a better playoff candidate than than Ohio State because wow. they're, they're I mean they're two losses they, they lost up to, to Notre Dame big but they beat Iowa they beat Michigan they lost in, in triple overtime to Northwestern and they beat Penn State and how does that resume compare to Ohio State's who have beaten Penn State and that's it. Right? Yeah. Like, they, like quality so, wins are not there for Ohio State. So to me, if you want if you want a 
a uh, big Big Ten representative, as a Big Ten fan, you want Michigan State to win the game this weekend? We're, all right. So, what do you think about like because the in a in looking at the game, it is impossible to ignore the weather delay, right? Like, I'm not going to make excuses for it, but in terms of trying to like figure out the way the game played out, um, you got you got to factor this in. Now, the Spartans, of course. Like, that is the Mark D'Antonio model. That's the Mark D'Antonio culture, the resiliency. And, like, the fact that they were at home certainly helped. But, you know, you mentioned Michigan State as a college football playoff candidate. But, like, when I play it out for Michigan State in the college football playoff against any one of the other three teams in the country, I think they get shut out again. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just I mean, not, I'm just I, not that impressed. Like, like well, I love this Michigan State team. But at the same time, when we're starting to, like, Play, like I think that they are, you know, top fifteen, good, right? I don't. I just don't like when we come to come down to later November, early December. If Michigan State does beat Ohio State, like I just can't in the help but in the back of my mind be like, well, this will be like 2015, you know, when uh, not Matt Geiger was it Matt Geiger, the the kicker who did the rock and roll, like after they beat Ohio State, yeah. uh, and then like you know they they had that huge run. And uh, then they get into the college football playoff, they get shut out. Yeah, I, I, but I mean, I've been doubting Michigan State from the jump, and and they're seven and two now. You know, after what three wins last year, they they they've they've get they're now they're getting kind of in a roll. Like I, I don't I don't want to be the one to to like doubt Michigan State because they never look great. They never look sexy they just they just figure out ways to win the game and and i will say i mean brian lewerke threw for 400 yards against penn state i mean that counts for something that's that's you know they they asked him to beat them and he did and and he's i think if he continues to progress he gives them a little juice because he can he can scramble he can he's athletic he can extend some plays and so um you know i do i do think he gives them something unique um but I, I agree with you in the sense that, look, this was credit Michigan State for winning the game, and and you can't take that away from them. I do think that Penn State was at a disadvantage sitting in that locker room for two and a half hours or whatever the hell it was, uh, with with wet socks and wet pants, and uh, you know, and I'm sure they got to change some gear. But it's a, I, I imagine it was a much more pleasant experience in the Michigan State home locker room than it was in the Penn State visitors locker room. I, hey, listen, you mentioned, I felt like you were doing it as a, as a, like there is probably some actual legitimacy to it, but I, I think that your point um, at the time was valid. Like when you were talking about it, it's like, oh, nah, Michigan State, like they've got the washer and dryer in there. Like they've got every, like everything that you could need is going to be there when you're at home. And, you know, as Jim Harbaugh said earlier, Visitor state of the visitor locker rooms in the Big Ten. It's pretty old school. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I, I like, like no doubt, man. Yeah, it's no. it's that's that's real. Like you talk about things like that as if they're they're just sort of this artificial talking point, but that's that's real. If you have to go out there and play in, if you get to to shower up and play in a dry set dry pants and and sit in a comfortable locker room for an hour and a half. 
versus a guy that has to sit in soggy socks and and like a uh, 1954 like a lot know, a lot of aluminum everywhere like no, those, no warm those couch pants, those pants on like the hand dryer like in the bathroom you know like the that that's a contrast that matters yeah for, for football players i'm just telling you <laughs> just telling you <laughs> just gotta spit that real uh all right before we leave the big tens we mentioned it earlier wisconsin pulled away now nine and oh um i i will we'll spend a lot of time breaking down that wisconsin iowa game but i'm i'm with you i'm, I'm starting to feel pretty excited about that i thought that was going to be a spot where uh, indiana might be able to keep it close uh here's a question do you think Nebraska definitely moves on from Mike Riley, like 100%? He's starting to give them a very little out from this, right? Like he's – they're four and five. They've got remaining on their schedule what? They've got Iowa, Penn State, Minnesota. They could, they could conceivably lose all three of those, especially with Minnesota being on the road. And, and if, he, if that happens and you're four and eight, I just don't think they want. I, I, yeah, I mean, they fire him for Scott Frost. Yeah, but would they fire him? Would they fire him if they can't get the guy they want right now, and just hire a, a hire a guy they're not excited about? I, I'm not convinced that they would. I'm st- I'm still not convinced that that Mike Riley is gone. I'm not either, and especially like, and you know, I'm I'm sitting here, uh, you know, playing revisionist history. They lost, but like that game went to overtime. Yeah, right. like, like Nebraska, like Nebraska could beat Minnesota. Nebraska, look, Nebraska could come out of nowhere on that Thanksgiving Friday, knock off Iowa. What if, well, like, like I'm, I'm just trying to play out all these situations where I'm like, wait a second, because to go back to your point, I'm not a hundred percent sure that uh, that Nebraska is going to be looking absolutely miserable at the end of the season, quite like we thought when they lost to Northern Illinois earlier. If this was a better buyer's market, I think that they would, that, that, that he'd be gone. I just, but, but I, yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the bad losses are Oregon at Northern Illinois, but beyond that, Northwestern's excusable given how close it was. Ohio State's Ohio State, Wisconsin's Wisconsin. You'd like to see them get just one win out of this next three. Honestly, I think, and, and that could be enough to save his job. If they get two, he's definitely back. I think because mm. then you're beaten. Then among those losses is a good Penn State team or a good Iowa team. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think I think Mike Riley's got got a uh, a glimmer of hope here. The uh, the Bedlam game has become a. I I spent a lot of uh, before my, we move before we get out of Big oh, Ten yeah. though. How do you perceive the? Uh, Brandon Peters' experience at Michigan. I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but it's not him. That's the thing. Up, it's you not look him. Up eight of 13, 56 yards and one touchdown. Uh, I, I need. That wasn't a game I was able to spend a lot of time on. Uh, I, I would be curious, Michigan fans. I'm gonna get when we get to the Pac-12. I'm gonna get Stanford fans to 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 do the same thing. But Michigan fans. I'm curious what you thought because tweet us, let us know because to me, like I looked up and every time I looked up, Michigan was like just pounding the rock and like running, like skating off for 40 yard gains in the run game. And Brandon Peters, I liked the juice he brought last week, but I look, you know, this, this looks like a John O'Corn line to me, eight of 13, 56 yards. And so I'm just curious. And it looks like he was sacked a few times and, and, 
I just don't know where we are right now with with Michigan. Are we at that point? We're just you know kind of we're in the Florida carousel now, where because you've got this uncertainty and because no one's really playing well, there's no confidence anywhere in the program in the passing game. I I, I just if you know I I'm can Brandon Peters beat Ohio State? You know that's that's I don't know the answer to that. Ooh, I Brandon Peters cannot beat Ohio State. That's for sure. Brandon, Brandon Peters. Can I, Michigan beat Ohio State with Brandon Peters? You're saying no? I'm saying no. Yeah. I, I don't think that uh, – like I, I, I believe Nathan Stanley is a better quarterback than Brandon Peters. I agree with that right um, now. Yeah. And, but like I feel like that we've been saying all, all season, uh, we've been praising Karan Higdon. We've been feeling like there's, a, you know, th- there's something there in the running game. And – you know, the if the Brandon Peters experience just means that, you know, he has the confidence to get them out there, get them lined up, check into the right runs, and, and put them in a good position. Like I, I don't know the the decision making with John O'Corn was so inexplicable at times. I just think that it might have gotten to a point where it was just a negative, and you know, you you go from the the 27 year old six year senior to a guy who's who's not only competing but still actively developing i can see that just being a spark as it is i don't think he has to beat teams with his arm through the passing game for us to feel like that is just having him in there uh might be a better position right well and nate stanley first start against wyoming eight of 15 125 yards three touchdowns, one interception, which is not dramatically better than what Brandon Peters did in his first start. And obviously they didn't ask Brandon Peters to do a lot more than that. So I think there's a, there's a chance that Brandon Peters could continue to develop and evolve. Um, but it is just, it's just so weird that, that Michigan is, is continues to be so limited, but I'm not going to, you know, Hey, Georgia's doing the same thing with the same stat lines. So maybe this is just Michigan's transition into, into Georgia's model, their business model. Yeah, but they need a they need a CEO or a CFO like Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, like right. Karan Higdon right. and Chris Karan Higdon and Chris Evans. Be that those those two. I, I don't know. I don't know about that either. Um, yeah. Okay. Bedlam. Bedlam. All right. What do you do when your star quarterback throws for four forty eight when Justice Hill? Like gives you 228 yards on the ground, and it just happens that Baker Mayfield's on the other sideline. Like the the thing that I spent a lot of my Sunday morning going back and just looking at was was really diving into the Oklahoma State side of this because it's crushing. They've been there, like they've been one play away. I, I think that the the nature of this rivalry, the fact that Oklahoma has dominated it while Oklahoma State has still been able to always be a national power has just been fascinating like Oklahoma just has more dudes you know like there's a there's a Baker Mayfield there's a Joe Mixon um you know there there's just a superstar on the other sideline that just isn't there for Oklahoma State yeah yeah but this is like this played out to be I mean they can this team can has the horses to play in shootouts and and like you said, you listed off those stats. You listed off what Justice Hill did, and 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 what 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 uh, Mason Rudolph did, and and like they can, they have the horsepower to win this game. And and but yeah, I mean it's it's frustrating when Baker Mayfield's just better. And you know, I, 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 this funny like 
my takeaway when I look back at this game is as as Oklahoma sits number five in the college football playoffs, I'm sure that's not going to change. Like this, a 62-52 win doesn't feel like a potential national champion. Mm. You know what I mean? Like this doesn't. This is just too loose and, and old school Big Twelve for for me to really feel like Oklahoma is now like channeling this this elite roster. I, I don't know. Like this is like I I, I love I don't know. Like great football teams don't really get in these type of games, do they? Oklahoma, times it, but I Oklahoma mean, does. I mean, and that goes all the way back to like Bradford, right? But would would they would they would they be giving up fifty two on the other side? I mean, I know they'll score a lot, but would they? Are the great Oklahoma national title type teams giving up fifty two points? No, I don't. Even like when Oregon was making the runs and and, and had the pace offense and and you know ton of plays and I don't. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, they weren't winning games sixty two fifty two, were they? I mean, they would win some games forty five to twenty maybe, but. I just this is I have a hard time with this Oklahoma team being up there with even a Notre Dame right now because I just don't know that this defense can can get it done against in a playoff type of atmosphere. Um, so it was a good and bad for me with Oklahoma. You know they 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 did make all the big plays and they did have the best player on the field and uh, but ultimately why are they giving up 228 yards rushing to to Justice Hill? Uh, why can't they? Why can't they get a stop and 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 you know get their get get their defense off the field? I, I, so I just um, I don't know. I still think this weekend, you know, we were getting what. It's funny. I mean, we're well, going to we talked that, about how we talked about how Oklahoma and Oklahoma State was a you know a potential rematch of the Big Twelve Championship game. This is this as is far it. as I can tell. This is this will be the Big Twelve Championship game. Yeah, what we see this weekend. Win or lose, and TCU's uh, done such a good job uh, causing problems for uh, for opposing offenses that I'm I'm this is it like that this will be the answer to your question because the TC, TCU is the closest thing to a playoff caliber defense that Oklahoma will face in the Big Twelve. Yes, yeah, and and I mean Texas, this defense has played well at times, but yeah, I think. TCU is the one that is this TCU is the team, and I said it, and and even someone like tweeted us that was a, a a TCU fan and said, "Man, you guys are, y'all are off on TCU. Never pick TCU. You know they'll they'll let you down at some point." And but this still feels like the roster in the Big Twelve to me that's built best for the playoffs because they do have a defense you can trust, they do have an offensive line you can trust, they do have a run game. They've they've got a team that can beat that can win games in different ways, and I think that's not to say they're going to win the Big Twelve. Oklahoma may still win the Big Twelve. I just don't think Oklahoma has a team right now that I trust in the playoffs. I guess I guess you you, you know you always give a team a chance that has the best player on the field in the game, and and Baker Mayfield has the potential to be that guy. So I don't want to take that away from them. I just. You're coming out. You're coming out of this huge win a little bit down on Oklahoma. Just, I'm just conflicted. Like I don't. <laughs> I, I, why? Why am I not like I, I'm? I'm. 
Oklahoma is not allowing me to be fully on board with them is what I'm I guess. You know, like I, I come out of this so torn on Oklahoma. Like, yeah, great win up Baker Mayfield. But man, 52 points. Come on. If they had won this, if they had won this game 31, 28, I'd feel differently. Right. It's not about it being close. It's just about the nature of the game. And you just don't see those kind of teams win the big games in, in, in playoff type settings. Okay. Um... Like on the flip side, TCU didn't blow out Texas, but they won 24 to seven and they had, had control the whole game and they, and they limited Texas to under, you know, 300 yards of total offense. I think they limited them to, you know, nine yards rushing as a team, which is crazy. Those are, that, that is more, you know, run the football, stop the run. You know, that, that's the type of thing that is, is cliched, but that's, that's what I feel like you got to have if you're a playoff team. I need to go back and uh, I have you given I haven't given Oklahoma Oklahoma State a rewatch yet, but coming out of halftime, uh, the first three you set o- aside four and a half hours or something probably don't you? <laughs> yes, yeah, it's right. weird. I haven't had that time. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State's first three possessions coming out of halftime: four and out punt, a fumble, and then a ten play drive that ended in an interception. Like third quarter. I don't know. I need to find out if that is Oklahoma's defense or whether Oklahoma State just came out rusty, but it feels like that's when the game was won. Yeah. Because in a shootout like this, three possessions without a touchdown, you're done. Yeah. I mean, they got a couple turnovers when, when they needed to as well. I mean, that's the, when you're opportunistic, then that's, that, that matters. Uh, and I do think they've got some takeaway ability on that defense. They've got some playmakers that can create those sort of opportunities. But they still they just give up big plays, which is which is concerning. Which is me. very concerning. Um, all right, so we mentioned that Oklahoma and TCU because they both have the win against Oklahoma State. Then that that head to head is lined up there. Um, the Iowa State is actually more in the Big Twelve championship race, at least in terms of being able to get a spot in the Big Twelve championship, than Oklahoma State is. Uh, even after losing to West Virginia over the weekend. Like where when you're looking well, at Iowa State still controls their own destiny, right? I right. think that's what I'm if saying. They, if they beat Oklahoma State this weekend and then and then beat Baylor and Kansas State, I think Iowa State is in over whoever loses TCU Oklahoma. Correct, because they've got the wins against both Oklahoma and TCU. Yeah, so it's crazy to think, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be we're going to have a, a, a TCU Oklahoma rematch in the Big Twelve Championship game unless Iowa State wins out which you know i, I sure no reason it, we should doubt that i guess no That's, reason we should doubt that um and i you know we've we've had some fun with iowa state i apologize iowa state but i guess like, like i was i was rooting for west virginia i was ready to get iowa state out of the big 12 <laughs> championship race i'm not gonna root for oklahoma state but i do think that oklahoma state will beat iowa state this weekend i think they will but i i've that's just, Iowa State is another one that I've doubted every step of the way. So I even doubt, like I was even like even at, at in the first half when the score was what twenty to nothing or twenty to three or something. Oh yeah, we were like, all right, here we go, West Virginia. Let's yeah, blow the like, doors off. Is, yeah, like this. All right, this is what I expected, and finally Iowa State showing themselves. And then the second half, they just creep back in there and and ugly up the game, and and all of a sudden they're you know they they nearly come back and win. So it's it's Iowa State is just they're winning it in a in a very like Matt Campbell's bringing his his the Mac residue to Iowa State just just making things weird and, and 
and ugly and, and finding ways to win. Shout out to the Mac residue. <laughs> um, all right. What else from the Big 12 stood out for you this weekend? That's that's all I got for the Big yeah. 12. I mean, Baylor, Baylor got their win. I, uh, you know, no surprise there. Kansas State, Texas Tech, that was a shootout. But th- this is, to me, this, this conference is boiling down to those two games this weekend. I- Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma TCU. But mm. hey, I guess the one other thing you got to mention is t- Texas fans are furious about their offense right now. Oh, it's so bad. Go to hook'em.com and read the message board. Man, they are uh, they're not happy with 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 the the golden boy Tom Herman. Even he's getting some 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 shrapnel. Yeah, right but now. isn't he going to be able to just uh, float Tim Beck down the water? I mean, he's he's, <laughs> like, he's, he's going like, to pat him on the back and be like, "Hey, sorry, man." Uh, we got to do he, this. If he doesn't, he's going to face some pitchforks and and uh, an angry mobs because they're they are calling for Tim Beck's head right now. Oh goodness gracious! Uh, if you want to try and get a ticket to Oklahoma TCU or Iowa State or Oklahoma State this weekend, uh, you need to check it out on the Seat Geek app. And we've got a special deal for you if you download the Seat Geek app and enter promo code twenty four seven today, you can get twenty dollars off your first Seat Geek. Purchase. See, buying tickets to sports and also concerts can get really complicated, but with SeatGeek, you get a seamless mobile experience where you can both buy or sell tickets with just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, and there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. They do this by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and to guarantee you get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value, help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of tickets from sports and concerts to comedy and theater so download the seat geek app and enter promo code 24 7 today to get 20 dollars off your first seat geek purchase that's promo code 24 7 for 20 dollars off your first seat geek purchase we want to go to the oh the acc baby we got we got our divisions straightened out you want to start with vt miami yeah. Miami, miami vt yeah, why not? I I think that this is uh I think this is a really good Miami team that is going to enter the ACC championship game with one loss and make it super entertaining. So, have we totally flipped our switch on Miami to to being pretender to to the real deal with that win? No. We have not Be, you and because I don't have confidence in the quarterback play. I've got a lot of confidence in that defense. Uh, I think that Travis Homer is uh, a stud. I think that when you look elsewhere at the skill positions, you, you know Chris Herndon did come up with a touchdown. I think that you've got uh, a lot of reasons to like uh, their ability to make a play in these more lower scoring, grinded out games that their defense kind of helps set up. But uh, Rozier's been pretty bad at times, even in this game. So I, yeah. I I think that prevents me from talking about them like a national championship contender, but I still think that like I mean we just when you they have an elite defense. They have a nationally elite defense and that group should be good enough to get them into the conversation and I think that they'll be in that conversation walking into Charlotte in the ACC championship game 
with a chance to play well enough to maybe win and maybe make a case for the college football playoff. You know what I liked about that game this weekend is if there felt like there was a little bit of energy down there in, uh, what is it, Hard Rock Field now, Hard Rock Stadium? Hard Rock Stadium was packed. They had 63,000 fans in there. I mean, that's that awesome. is, to me, is, as, as notable as anything. Is if you're starting to get a little bit of, uh, you know... Swagger. Excite- yeah, just excitement back around the program. Like, that. that's, to me, is big. Um, I love the way they came out, the energy. I think, you know, early in the week, I, I, you know, I had picked Virginia Tech for my experts' picks, but by... By Saturday, we had, I think, both agreed and worked ourselves into Miami being the expected winner. So I think for them to win that game is is big. For them to win in a decisive fashion is big. And, and, and as much as anything for confidence. Because now they've got – they're feeling good about themselves. they got Notre Dame coming to their place. And that's a game I could suddenly see Miami winning. Like, I really could. Um, and, and, and I think that they are – look – we're going to talk about Clemson next, and and they're no juggernaut. Like they're not this unbeatable force. And and all of a sudden, if Miami just hits it right a couple times, it's not. It, it wouldn't be like impossible for me to believe that they somehow win the ACC and and are even undefeated and going into the playoffs. Wow! Like that that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me. I mean, just because there's winnable games left, and and I just don't think Clemson is that team this year that's unbeatable. So uh, I, I like this team, and and I think that they've they've found ways to win games, and they're going to continue to do that. Um, we'll learn a lot more this weekend with Notre Dame coming to town. Speaking of Notre Dame, how about Miami as 2017's version of like 2012 Notre Dame? Yeah, or to, or 2002. Ohio State, or you know, there's there are teams out there like this, and no one's a believer. But if they keep on winning, then they they deserve what they get. You know, um, where do you see Virginia Virginia Tech? Uh, great observation from David Teal, who's been covering uh, Virginia Tech in Virginia forever. Incredible writer. Um, he looked at this as a a great representation of where Virginia Tech is because Virginia Tech is a top 15 program under Justin Fuente. And given how far they'd kind of slid back um, in those last years under Frank Beamer, being a consistent top 15 program, that's a good thing. But the idea that Virginia Tech is a top five, top 10 program right now uh, has been exposed in the two losses against Clemson and Miami because Virginia Tech just doesn't have the horses. You know, they... They play hard. They're well coached. But when they go up against an elite defense, that offense is not clicking the same way. They don't have that superstar running back that can help get them in and out of those tough drives when uh, when they need the hard runs. And I just I, I think that the Hokies are in a spot right now where we've got to consider them always in the mix for the ACC title, and that's a great thing. But if Miami's going to continue to load up like this, uh, if if Clemson's going to continue to be at that spot where you're just restacking and reloading elite talent uh, Virginia Tech still got a way to go before they are going to be up in that next tier up and that's kind of like that's okay but it's just important to remember as Virginia Tech you know continues to move forward and as we adjust our expectations that the Hokies can be there but they're just not all the way back to that uh that top tier elite 
you know, uh, top five, top ten kind of ranking team right now? Yeah, nothing like popped from that Virginia Tech roster on Saturday night. Nothing, nothing jumped off the screen. Um, you know, and and I think that'll come. And I, I actually, surprisingly, Justin Fuente has been recruiting pretty well, and he wasn't necessarily. Uh, you know, Mike Norvell at Memphis right now is, is that's one of his deals. Like he he recruits. Uh, Fuente was was more of a he evaluates kind of guy, and he's he's sort of married that those two in, in terms of recruiting and evaluating nicely at Virginia Tech, and I think he's off to a good start there. So I think the talent is coming. I think they're going to have some dudes there, uh, but I agree. Like right now, the 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 athletes jumped off the off the page a little more on the Miami for side. the Miamis, and it's like when Virginia Tech is playing most of the teams in the ACC. The fact that uh, they're they're well coached, and the fact that they've got a great scheme, great game plan, and the fact that they play hard as hell is going to be enough to win those games. But when you're going up against the elite athleticism right now, there's just still another step to go. What do you think about uh, – have you been catching any of the anger from NC State fans? So what what are they mad about? I saw that they were like mad at the refs, and, and maybe I missed a couple bad calls or something there. Uh, what, what's, what's going on? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's like Dave Doran – might be the per like he had no ties to NC State, but like there's always been sort of a deep rooted uh, conspiracy theorist type tendency for the NC State fans. Like the world's against us. John Swafford doesn't want us to win, you know. And it kind of goes back to uh, Jim Valvano, like an NCAA sanctions that were brought against Jim Valvano uh, back in the late '80s, early '90s. And I, it all is just being fed right now because Dave Doran came out of that loss, walks into the media room, and he said, see, Clemson had a laptop on their sideline. I want that oh, investigated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I did hear that. Like, now that you it, yeah. like when you're coming out of uh, – and look, that was a tough loss where NC State outplayed Clemson for a good part of the game, but the fact was like they let – one too many big play like the Tavian Feaster run. Um, like there were just too many. That was the backbreaker. Yeah, there were just too many big plays down the stretch of that game for Clemson to be able to beat a team that was more talented than it. Like it to to come out of there and just throw an aerosol can into the bonfire of a conspiracy. By the way, uh, the the laptop was just you know their their social media manager who's just posting the the clips and that's going to be a thing I'm sure. And yeah, the the fans are furious at the refs, but it just uh like like part of me is like wow, the uh that's that falls right in line with all the conspiracy theories that that have sort of been tied to the NC State fan base. And part of me is like, "Oh, come on NC State, like you were there. Like don't don't come out of this with with just like a bad negative taste, like the world's against you and and it's someone else's fault that right. you know, this this can't, this fell apart like that because that that kind of attitude to me is what leads to at least another loss on this schedule and a real disappointing feeling at the end of the year instead of being able to be like all right well you know let's pull this together and let make let's make sure that we win the rest of our games this season. Yeah, that's a bad like gloss to have on you on your finish there. I mean, they they've that that's that's kind of what this team feels like. It's like they've they've got the, they they finally got the talent to play at this kind of level. 
Um, I don't know about finally, but they've got the talent to play at this kind of level. But they don't carry themselves like they are a nationally elite team. There's just something missing there. Um, and, yeah, I, 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 by the end of the – by the time the game kicked off, I thought there was a really good chance NC State won, would win this game. And yeah, you, I me think too. we even picked them. Yeah. Uh, and, and they had their opportunities, but – they just, like you said, just one too many mistakes. I still, I come away from this one again. You know, Kelly Bryant, 20 carries, 88 yards. Uh, Huge you know, carries, too. Like first the, down runs type stuff. And, and he was 0 for 10, throwing the ball beyond 15 yards, which, I, which is the, the highest number of incompletions by a Power 5 quarterback this year. Uh, in that stat, so I mean, there are like some concerns I have with Clemson, and I, they're they're not answering them. Like they're just not regularly answering them. So, do you think they're going to lose to Florida State? I mean, I kind of <laughs> yeah. trust Florida State, you know? <laughs> but I don't. But, but this is another team with flaws heading into the the college ball playoffs. Like they're a college ball playoff team. Um, right now they're penciled in, but they have flaws. And that's why I think that's another reason why I think Miami could beat them if they face them in the ACC championship game. Yeah. Um, all right. As we look elsewhere, let's go ahead and let's, let's get Notre, Notre Dame and, and Wake played kind of a wild game that flew below the radar. Uh, it, there was never a doubt that Notre Dame was going to win this game, but Wake Forest would not go away. I, uh, I look at the how, – how do you factor in Wake's offensive success here? I'm I'm just impressed with those guys. Just fighting. I mean, that that that's an offense that's been all year. Like the, under Dave Clawson, every year it's like, man, they play good defense, but they just they're 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 working at the stacks, the deck stacked against them uh, on offense. They just they don't have the guys. And every game this year, every good team they play, they've managed to move the football. And uh, you know there was some backdoor action to this one. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I still credit Wake for, for moving the ball and, and getting it done. I mean, Notre Dame played without Josh Adams most of the game. Brandon Wimbush was injured a little bit here and there. Ian Book came in and went 8-for-8 eight eight when, when he was playing. Um, so there's plenty to like here. And Notre Dame just sort of responded to some adversity and, and, and getting the job done. But uh, I still think Wake, what they have one, one win where they've kind of surprised some people by beating Louisville. Um, that's one I could see, you know, that's a home game against NC state. Like that's a, that's a trip up spot. Oh, I got hell. Wake's, yeah. Wake's got another win in them. Like another, another win that people don't think they should have. And, uh, you know, maybe NC state's that, that spot. Yeah. I, th- I think Wake could win the next three games at Syracuse is going to be tough, especially coming off that physical game against Notre Dame, uh, when Syracuse is trying to run the play count up, but Home finish. You finish home against NC State. You finish home against Duke. Um, this this Demon Deacons team is going bowling, no doubt. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame. Your general feeling about this team as it pertains to the the national picture? Because I I came away, and it wasn't even necessarily this game as much as like it just it's taken me some time to buy in. It's taken me some time to be like, okay, all right, the Irish are for real. You know, like, and maybe it was when they were just beating the pants off Wake Forest early, even without Josh Adams in the game. I was like, okay, this yeah. this this is a team that, given 
uh, a rematch against Georgia at the end of the season could beat Georgia? Well, they showed some offensive diversity this game. I mean, Brandon Wimbush, even even despite not playing the whole game, threw for, I think, 280. Um, and and – just like you know, we should be impressed with Wake Forest offense. I mean, this is this this Wake Forest defense is no slouch for Notre Dame to put up forty eight on. Sure, and it was never really. I mean, they they never really had any problems moving the football. And so, I'm I'm kind of on board with Notre Dame. Like I've kind of think that you know for a while they were number three because they've earned number three. And but are they really the third best team in the country? They they might just be the third best team in the country. Yeah, you know, and and so. That's that just feels weird to say, you know. It's taken me a long time to get there. It feels weird to say, but right now, I I, I don't know that I would put anyone else above them in terms of not the ranking, because again, I, I factor in some earned there and some and and sort of what you've done resume and that sort of thing. But I'm just talking about like on the field who yeah. I picked to win. I'm not sure I wouldn't have Notre Dame three. Yeah, they. I mean, this isn't it like. In in this particular season, it's just so easy for me to fall for teams that can move the ball on the ground. That's my top three teams: Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame. It's like can can you just line up and just run downhill? Because there's a lot of teams in college football that aren't doing that right now and can't do that. And it sure seems like a good way to win. Those are probably the three teams that are just beating the hell out of people the most on offense. Yeah, just just absolutely pounding them. Um, all right, anything else in the ACC? We got bowl-eligible Virginia. Uh, Cam Akers alert, 199 yards, uh, and he was awesome. Uh, but, I, I mean, I was looking at the – there were some scenarios being played out for Miami play, making the ACC championship game, and I was sort of startled to see that – Virginia all, still has – All the a- scenarios <laughs> are like – assuming Virginia loses and things like that. It's like, Oh wait, like oh, it's six and three, like Virginia's they're, they're in the, they're in this thing. Um, so I mean, that's a huge win of a good Georgia tech team. What a weird season they've had. Uh, but yeah, Virginia all of a sudden is that might be quietly like one of the best jobs anyone's done in college football is, is Bronco Mendenhall turning that thing around this year. Bronco Mendenhall or Matt Campbell, who is more deserving of a National Coach of the Year vote at this point? I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess Matt Campbell. But Mendenhall's, that's a close second, man. That's a really close second. I think, I, I, that's impressive. I think, I think Campbell ends up getting the nod because he's beat TCU and Oklahoma, the teams that look like the two best teams in the Big 12. I agree. Yeah, I think that's enough. Um, well... You know, it's a special edition of the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast because not only are we trying to get you into your favorite concerts and sporting events for the best bang for your buck, but we're trying to look after your butt, too. Because me undies makes feel good undies that your butt will be proud to wear, and they have Knocking the most... them right now. <laughs> you've got them on right now. Right this second. They're the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. And to check it out for yourself, go to MeUndies.com slash CFB. There are tons of styles and patterns to choose from for both men and ladies. MeUndies will have the perfect fit for any personality. MeUndies feeling is unmatched because they use a naturally soft fabric that is three times softer than cotton. And for a limited time only, check out MeUndies' first ever glow-in-the-dark print, Lights Out. So why not update your underwear drawer and glow at the same time? And if underwear isn't your thing, MeUndies also makes the softest socks in the world. So, to get 20% off and the best and softest underwear and socks you will ever own, 
Free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to MeUndies.com slash CFB. That's MeUndies.com slash CFB. All you, we didn't get a chance to get the glow in the darks. That's that limited time edition, right? I didn't see it. I, yeah, I did not. I, I need that. I, I need my care. I need another care package. I need another care package for me and this <laughs> is with them glow in the darks. I'm trying to go lights out, lights out in the bedroom. Let's go. Um, all right. You want to Alabama LSU your, I came out of this. Follow, like echoing the words of Gary Danielson, which I'm sure that when we speak to him Tuesday afternoon, he will say, but Alabama, I'm, I'm coming out of this thinking that they, they still have uh, some of the concern, not concerns, but they still have the, the spots and the ways to be, they to be beaten. Yes. Yes. This is, this is not an Alabama and the 12 drawers type of year. Yeah. I think this is this is probably Alabama's the best team in the country, but this is not a them and everybody else. Even last year, like Clemson was, and this is another point I want to make on Clemson. Man, like they, t- to their credit, like they didn't blow anyone out last year either. Like they, they're all year long. You look at their schedule; it wasn't that impressive in what they did. But they had Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Watson did Deshaun Watson things and won them a national championship. So. I think if not for Deshaun Watson, Alabama is the, t- the national champion last year. This year, Alabama is probably the favorite, but they're, n- they're just not like – I mean, the SEC is so bad. Oh. So they've, they've gotten so – like, look, they beat r- really bad Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Tennessee teams in really bad fashion. LSU is not a great LSU team, and they – beat them it was never in doubt but it wasn't a it wasn't like a sexy win i don't know like i just this is this is this team's really good this team's really good but they're they this is not this is not an unbeatable alabama team by any any stretch i don't think is this like uh do you remember um let me take there's there's not to me there's not a ton of difference between alabama and wisconsin do you? I think that we might be programmed because of Alabama's dominance. Let's say since two thousand nine, we're a little bit more programmed to build them up as a juggernaut. And that's what happens in college football when you become a juggernaut. Is that like part of it is the psychological impact? But uh, watching this imperfect but very very good Alabama team almost gave me those two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, even maybe. I don't know, 2011 team was unbelievable. You know, but like, as Alabama has been building into this juggernaut, like, do you remember those those years uh, on the way up where Alabama was in these really, really tight games and like there would be, you know, the the one play by a Julio Jones or like just, it it would always just be winning, winning the games at the margins, a Terrence Cody blocked field goal or something like that. But it wasn't like you looked at Alabama as being really, really good. But I think that year after year after year after year, you know, number one recruiting class after number one recruiting class, like we've built them up into an unbeatable juggernaut when really this team might not be that far from one of those teams in 2009, 2010, 2012, something like that. Well, here's to me the difference between this team and some of those teams was 
those teams were like that was when we were sort of in the heyday of just like Alabama's going to pound you. They're just going to they're, they're just going to steamroll you. And this team, if if something isn't clicking in one spot, they've got so many. Like they have what? How many skill players are there on the field? Six. I mean, they've got six skill players. Are every you including play, quarterback? Including quarterbacks yeah, yeah, that can like go the distance. Yeah. And and that is what makes this team unique. And that's why, in some ways, it, it feels like they're just they still haven't fully hit their stride. And I know we're we're saying this while they've beaten you know forty one to nine against Arkansas and forty five to seven against Tennessee and, and all that. So I get it. But this team, I think, is still you're always holding your breath with them. Like they can always. You ever never know when the dam's going to break. Um, I think maybe the most impressive thing is they're playing without. Christian Miller and, and Terrell Hall uh, from early in the season who got hurt in the Florida State game. I guess they lost a couple other linebackers. Sean um, Deion Hamilton. Sean Deion Hamilton and uh, Mac Wilson, I guess, are both out for the season now too. Yeah. So to say that to, for them to lose now what is essentially four starters from their front seven and they're not going to really miss a beat, I wouldn't imagine. I mean, that's the most impressive thing about this Alabama team. Um, I do think they're in their – maybe their toughest spot of the year when they go to at Mississippi state at night this weekend. And, and I think then we'll find out not, not that, you know, we know they're good, but I think then we'll find out if they're, if they're like next level good, depending on what they do against Mississippi state. I think that dude, if they blow them out, if they blow them out, then, then I think that I'll have a little bit of different opinion. Mississippi state and Auburn is going to be a tremendous test for Alabama's depth on defense. Both of these teams. Like I, 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 I am not preparing myself for Alabama to lose either one of those games, but I definitely think they're going to be close. I agree. Like, I agree. I'm a, I don't know what the what the number is on Mississippi State yet, but I, I'm I'm very inclined to take take the dog, the home dog, on that one. All right. So what about Auburn? Because we've got Auburn, Georgia, uh, coming up. Auburn. We got. Well, I guess we need. Do you want to talk about Auburn or Texas A and M first? <laughs> uh well my my thoughts on auburn are quick because i think they're the same team i don't know that we learn anything else i'm 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 proud of them for taking care of business uh i actually believe that georgia is gonna have their hands full i mean not that that's a, a huge outlier statement but like auburn could everyone's sort of already talking about georgia alabama in the sec championship game and that's going to happen regardless of, of this game but Auburn could mess around and win that game. I think Auburn could win this game. I've, I need that's of of. I think I looked at the opening lines, and I, to answer your earlier question, I think it was it might have opened up Mississippi State fifteen and a half or something yeah. like that. And I'm with you, dude. Mississippi State, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I'm a, this is going to be the one I'm going to have to meditate on because I kind of want to pull the trigger on Auburn to win this game. Do you remember what the number was on it? Uh uh-uh, uh I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 this is a potential Auburn money line play, like because. But I do think that – I think Georgia's better coached. I oh, think, agree. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Know, so, so if, if – but I think Auburn – Auburn's – like their defensive front is good enough to, to match up with, that, with Georgia's run game. So they can, they can be a team, probably the first team since Georgia – or since Notre Dame that can force Georgia to throw the ball um, a lot. And I think – Anyways, we'll we'll break that down game down when it comes to it. But Auburn is has the pieces; they're the real deal. They they can give Georgia trouble even more so, I think, than Alabama. 
Mm. All right, so what about the Texas A&M side? This is it for Kevin Sumlin, right? I don't know. Do you want to do you want to take us through the spectrum of Sumlin that we that we uh, <laughs> experienced on Saturday? Um, yeah, let's let's, let's okay. So, uh, hashtag spectrum of of Sumlin. Yeah, the hashtag spectrum of Sumlin is being able to start. Kellen Mond can't do anything. Kevin Sumlin's done. But then, good coaching decision. You know, really, really had Nick Starkle ready. Got him in there. You know, you Starkle leads a couple scoring drives. Texas A&M's back in this thing. And then it fell apart. Then Jeff Holland and everybody started eating. And so I feel like within the game, the spectrum of Sumlin, like it is. And the spectrum of Sumlin, too, is like, uh, going into this game, well, if they lose this game, they're looking at probably seven and five. And then, how do you keep someone when you said you wanted to be an eight and four coach? Uh, oh, but if they win this game, they're beating <laughs> Auburn, and you have to keep him. There's no doubt he's staying. And then they they take a lead, and then or, or, or they're playing well early, and then they fall back to the pack, and they say, "Well, maybe it's a really close game. You know, that changes the way we think about it." And then, and then Auburn, Auburn runs ends up away. Fifteen. <laughs> it's just like, man, what do we do with someone? What are we gonna do with that guy? What are we gonna do with him? I don't know. I, I actually think he's still a pretty good coach. I oh, I absolutely think he's a pretty good coach. I I will he say he needs to go to Arizona State or somewhere and 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 just win a lot of games without all this. You know these these regions breathing down your back. Do you like Texas A and M's offense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially considering that they're they're they've been limited at quarterback a little bit this year. That's true. I just there there has started to be like Auburn is the worst. Uh, Auburn's one of the worst matchups for Texas A and M's perimeter game because Auburn's athleticism on defense up front being able to fly to the ball side to side. It just seemed like every single time in this game that Texas A&M was trying to test on the perimeter, uh, Aggie wide receivers weren't able to hold blocks against Auburn defenders, and Auburn defenders were doing a great job of wrapping up in space. Like the whole premise of we're going to look for numbers advantages in the open field and hope our skill players can, uh, can break one loose, like just works against a lot of teams just doesn't work against teams with elite athleticism. Yeah. Yeah, and and this was this needed to be an area where Auburn was overlooking Texas A&M a little bit. Texas A&M played above themselves a little bit cuz Auburn you're not going to be able to run the football really consistently against Auburn and that's what Texas A&M had to do. They I mean, they found something. I mean, they had some big plays especially early in the game, but Auburn settled in and just wasn't going to happen. So that that's I don't know. That game probably is is doesn't deserve more than the three minutes we've given it because ultimately that's what Texas A and M this year is. This year, the five and four team, and Auburn is a team that should have beaten them and they did. You know. All right. So seven and five or eight and four, because I think that if they do beat LSU, that might be even more frustrating. Like eight and four isn't good enough. Uh <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, the other, I mean, and, and Ole Miss is sitting there with a, a, all of a sudden looking like a dangerous team. But I, I'm with you. I think they could go eight and four, and 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 Texas A&M is sort of has to backtrack and say, you know what? Let's just 
stick around for another year, buddy. Because who are they going to hire? I know Shad Morris is out there. Maybe that's maybe they like him a lot, but I don't know that he's necessarily some home run. Yeah, he's kind of the same. He's he's sort of more of the same, isn't he? More the like kind of just like Kevin. He's just Sumlin. sort of the same profile as Kevin Sumlin, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. The uh, all right. So as, as we start to look around, Georgia, South Carolina. Um, I came out of this with some credit to South Carolina and yeah. um, feeling good about this this Will Muschamp coached program moving forward. I mean, it's, it, it feels like South Carolina, of the disaster that is the SEC East, it feels like South Carolina is one of the programs that I would feel comfortable investing some stock in for the next three to four years. Absolutely. Absolutely. I said it uh, last week. I thought South Carolina and, and Georgia was going to be the new rivalry in the East. And, and, and I think this this furthered, furthered that theory. Look, I it's funny the, the way we view the expectations for Georgia and Alabama. I, t- basically the same exact game. Same exact game. Both games. Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, LSU. And I leave the Alabama game. You know, you heard me. I was almost a little critical of Alabama. And, and I leave the Georgia game feeling like good about both teams like hey georgia you know that took the game into the fourth quarter from had to throw more they did they had to do they won and, and it's just you know with alabama the expectation is higher so it, it, ultimately we're still looking at kind of this and i think south carolina and lsu are about the same team too so uh I, I think we're looking at two really evenly matched teams as we start to sort of get closer to the sec championship game and, and i think that game more and more is looking like a a real legitimate like just absolute battle war um so that's gonna be fun and i'm starting to think that i don't know if it's as much of a lock that alabama and georgia are going to get into the college football playoff why based on just not looking that's like they're they're no doubt teams or what based on uh one of those based on one of those teams going into the SEC championship game with a loss. Yeah, that's that yeah, I get yeah, I, I agree. That that's that's when it gets hairy. Yeah. That's Auburn's it, you you got to think Auburn's going to screw somebody up. Well, that, that's it, man. Auburn's going to get one of the two of them. Right. Mm, I don't know. All right. Let's uh let's let's talk about where things get really hairy. Where things get really really nasty. Arkansas 39, Coastal Carolina 38. Why? Why? This is uh this is a bad this is a bad Arkansas football team that is uh it's banged up but uh but this this shouldn't happen. This doesn't happen. There's there's no way that the vibes are good in Fayetteville. Like I I don't know. I don't think Arkansas is going to Maybe make a. I don't know if Arkansas is going to make a move on Bielema as much as I think Bielema might try and look for a way out because yeah. But if Bielema is going to go to Nebraska or Kansas State now, even even those schools are getting a little bit less interested. If he's out here, almost losing to Coastal Carolina. Yeah, but you got to take him. That's when you talk yourself into those Big Ten championship rings. I know that that's this was. I mean, we're getting to a. We're getting to a point in Brett Bielema's tenure, like where this is another one where it's like, man, just go ahead and lose to Coastal Carolina. Just lose. If you're gonna if you're gonna play that kind of a game against a one and eight team that was FCS last year, just 
just lose because it looks this bad and and you're not going to a bowl game this year and just you know we're we are at the point in Brett Bielema's like tenure where it's like a pull off the band-aid time like it's we all know where this is going yeah because it's not going up there's no indications there's no signs that it's going to get better and it might not get like it might not hit rock bottom for two years but we know that where this is going Maybe they get to six and six next year, but we know where this is going. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and this is looking like four and eight this year. Um, so this is just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how we how we resolve this, but th- this we know how this story ends. Talking about know how this story ends. Uh, Tennessee twenty four to ten win against Southern Miss, and I'm encouraged. All right. I look at this game, and Southern Miss is a decent football team. Uh, they got John Kelly going, and you know, I just, I, I feel like we've been, we've had nothing but trash to throw Tennessee's way, and Butch Jones is definitely not going to be around. But I don't know. That's that's not a rip off the band aid situation. I think that this team being able to not totally crater. Um, I think that that's something worth complimenting. I don't know. You'd be you'd be hard pressed to find a Tennessee fan that didn't call what's happening right now cratering. I mean, they. I think everyone else, everyone in Knoxville is like, man, we better be USM. I I agree. Like they showed up, they played well. The it defense was homecoming. It was homecoming. They like to lose to Southern Miss on homecoming would have been like not even something that I could have taken like dark joy in. I do. I do really honestly believe that. I, not that I think Butch Jones keeps his job, because I still think that's a long shot. But I do honestly believe that if this team finishes seven and five and wins their last three games, like there's not going to be nearly this negativity around the program. People are going to be in a much better mood. They're going to be. It, it's going to turn from Butch has got to go to man. Butch is Butch has sure done an outstanding job. But we, you know, God, I, I, I'd love to get somebody new in there. You know, it's yeah. going to. It's just to be a different vibe, and um, and I and I think that's doable. I mean, Missouri, they're I think they're ten point underdogs to Missouri, which is kind of crazy that Missouri's all of a sudden this like world beater, the SEC Eastern East. juggernaut. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an up you know a tough climb with Missouri on the road, LSU. I think Vanderbilt's a win for them, but um, but yeah, I mean this is. It's at least making things interesting here down the stretch. Is that like Texas, where Texas finishes five and seven, and they make a change, but like at the same time, the fan base has a little bit of juice going into next season? Could be, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, yeah, I think, and then that could build you some momentum on the recruiting trail. I mean, they're playing some freshmen that are doing good things, so there are things to get excited about with Tennessee. Um, and, and then just and like the, Texas, your American Athletic Conference coach goes out and underperforms and loses the home opener. <laughs> yeah, and just like Texas, <laughs> Tennessee better not expect to go win the East next year. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, all right, so were you the Mississippi State struggling with UMass uh, at the time on Saturday? You made a good point. Like let's let's remember UMass, even though they're two and seven. They've hung in in a lot of games, but at the same time, do you have any alarm bells going off for Mississippi State? Non-story. No, no worries there. Because they're, they're, they were already counting this win anyways. 
I've, I have played in games where you expect to win and, and you had, and, and like it hadn't happened like that. I remember playing Dayton in, in college and, and the coaches in the, in the film room before when we were talking to, in the meetings, you know, they were like, Hey, we're going to get some, some, we're going to blow these guys out. So we're going to get some, uh, um, some young guys to get some reps and kickoff coverage this week and, and saying things like that. And then you go out there and you, you win by eight points and, and it just, you start pressing and, there's a there's a psychology to that of just looking over a team, and I don't think there's any question Mississippi State looked over the two and six Minutemen, and knowing Alabama was the next week, and and, and just let them hang around. Um, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, Missouri, your Missouri Tigers, are they going to make a bowl game? Yeah, I'm feeling it. Yeah, Tennessee. They, they have to win two more, right? Yeah, I, I'm feeling it. So they have to beat. It's, I think they beat Vanderbilt. I think they beat Arkansas, and I think they shoot their ten point favorites of Tennessee. They may win the next three. I think they'll win two of the three and get to a bowl. Tennessee, Vandy, Arkansas is about as favorable of a draw as you could ask for for Missouri in terms of trying to lock up this bowl game. Absolutely, that's uh, that would be so huge for Barry Odom and this staff. Like, yeah, and he's a guy you kind of root for. Seems like a good dude. The uh, he's he's the the chosen one. He's the son of Missouri. That's right. <laughs> um, all right, Pac-12. You want to talk about? You want to get some KJ Costello thoughts off your chest? I, that's another one. I don't. Know, I need to know. Like I, that was a game I didn't get to watch. I got watched. It was a corner TV. I didn't get to see much of it. Uh, I looked at the the stat lines, and I look up, and Bryce Love had 69 yards rushing with one 52 yard rush, and the, you know KJ Costello was some insane bad number nine of 20 for 105, 105 yards pick. yeah so we were yelling and screaming for KJ Costello to get in there and and he doesn't do anything so I need to know what he looked like I hadn't watched the game yet um disappointed that he couldn't pull it out uh I'm disappointed in Stanford we man like like how I feel uh I could have tricked myself and this and this is you know speaks as much to the the psychology of trying to evaluate and project things out. I could have probably tricked myself into a getting getting up for Stanford Washington. And you know what? Stanford still could beat Washington. I don't think Washington is a world beater. But you you take a loss here, and it makes Friday's uh, Stanford Washington game look much less enticing. It does. That was going to be a fun game. Yeah. It's just the Stanford just man they just. They just seem so close. Like this year, I kept on thinking they could get on a run, and they just never have. They just never have gotten in rhythm offensively or defensively. Uh, and I, I think you got to credit Alex Grinch again yep. at Washington State. Man, I mean, to think that this Washington State team a few years ago can can limit Stanford to whatever they had, 100 yards rushing, is just such a far cry from what they used to be. Mm, and good point. Um, I, there's, I'm not more impressed with a defensive coordinator in the country than what he's done consistently at Washington State. Yeah, every every year they've gotten better. Uh, awesome. Awesome win for Washington State. Uh, a Washington State team that, of course, has had its own fair share of a roller coaster, you know, having the the 37-3 loss to Cal. You know, you get Khalil tated on uh, the week before and to be able to rally back here. I mean, we're looking at a spot where if Washington State uh, can go on the road, 
beat Utah this weekend, you get a week off, and you go into the Apple Cup with a chance, with a chance to be able to win the Pac-12 North and play for the Pac-12 championship game. That's, that is an accomplishment for this Washington State program for sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, Mike Leach, he's the best, man. He's one of the best out there. He's a, he's a, Mike Leach is a top 10 coach. Oh, like when we do our coach rankings, like the, yeah, he's the same thought. Top 10 coach. Yeah. The same thought that it's like, uh, you know, you, you've got to consider like all factors. Like you can't just throw it down, uh, just based on their the the wins and losses, but just like when you when you consider longevity, when you consider the different places he's won and and what he's built in in yeah. Lubbock and in Pullman, it's unthinkable. What he's done in, in in both those spots is unthinkable. Um. All right. The uh, is there? Here's a question for you. All right. The coach in college football most deserving of getting fired. Most deserving. That has not already been fired. That has not already been fired. Or hey, you can include already been fired. I don't. But nah, let's take off Tyson Summers. He he probably. Jim Mora. Yeah, that's where I'm going with it. Yeah. There's no excuse for how bad they are. <laughs> They're so bad. I know you know what? Is, I don't... hurt, but th- this is. I mean, he is going to squander the Josh Rosen years at UCLA with a couple of four or five win seasons. And I know, again, I know Josh Rosen has been banged up in those stretches, but the defense is terrible. They go up 48 to Utah on Friday night. They, they can't score. He, he's, he had an offensive line coach that was, he was paying seven or $800,000 that gets popped for recruiting violations. Their offensive line has been terrible. They, I mean, wh- like, there's just no reason for UCLA to be sitting here scraping the bottom of the Pac-12 South. Yeah. And they're and like, and that, and that's also because you said deserving and deserving does not mean most likely like right. Jim Mora might be one of the most deserving coaches in college football of getting removed at the end of the year. And yet I don't know if I even have him as top five for most likely. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're gonna, they, it's, I would say it's likely that they finished last in the Pac-12 South. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, the, the, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just – I'm sort of at a loss with this team. They could be good. They could be really good. And they got the number one player in the country this past year in Jalen Phillips. Uh, they got Josh Rosen on their roster. There's, there's going to be some really special talent on that roster that is not going to be seen in, in primetime environments because no one cares about UCLA. Mm-hmm. And you and if UCLA decides to keep it going, maybe UCLA doesn't care about football. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the, their crosstown rivals, I they they locked in. Um, this was this was like as you said, you've said before going into games. Doesn't this feel like one of those games where USC just locks in and they uh, they dominated? Like Khalil Tate got his eventually, but it kind of felt like. The Trojans were had, had had established the edge uh, going into you know the third like I guess early third quarter Arizona was making a little bit of a push but I, I thought the Trojans did a good job of establishing their dominance as the better team against Arizona uh, winning eventually forty nine thirty five 
They did. Yeah, let's give let's give USC credit on this one and and you know, I even you know, there was I saw people on Twitter like kind of like knocking them as the as the comeback started for Arizona. I'm not going to I'm not going to knock USC for this one. This is Sometimes you get in games where you got a really good player on the other side and you just you're gonna give up some yardage. And and that's what happened late in the game against USC. Sam Darnold made some unbelievable throws just like he always does. Um, Ronald Jones looked juiced oh, like yeah. he like he does when he's healthy. And and I thought USC went out there and handled their business. This is a team I'm having a hard time figuring out like how I feel about USC. Um, but this is a team like are, are they a like is USC a team that could? I don't want to say backdoor into the playoffs, but yes. I don't know. Like is is yes, dude, so absolutely. There, huh? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. If like when we start to look for uh, the two loss teams that could backdoor into the playoff, USC. I'll, the, the, I'll take a two loss USC over a two loss Ohio State. For, and I think that you you start to break it down. It's like, oh, what were your loss? Like, yeah, you got blown out by Notre Dame, but if Notre Dame's another one of those teams in the playoff, then you know. That's got to count for something. If, if Washington State, uh, if, if they get to avenge their Washington State loss in the Pac-12 championship game, I, I think that the USC could finish the year with uh, one of the better two-loss profiles if they are the Pac-12 champions. Yeah, I agree. And, and Sam Darnold is going to keep on getting hot. And I, I think... And then talk about a team you don't want to play in exactly. the playoff. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. You don't want to play these guys. No, um, I I think that they could they could cause with with some time off to get healthy to get like focused and to get resettled. Like USC could step into. Uh, would they put them in the Rose Bowl? Because it's Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl for our semifinals this year. Like, would that be too much of a home field advantage? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They, I, I don't know. I mean, semifinals are weird. The I ticket, mean, they, tickets they, get they, distributed to everybody. They, like it's it's obviously like I wouldn't say actual home field advantage, but isn't, isn't that basically just seeding though? Don't they just basically seed them one through four and not not worry about home field and and geographical location and that sort of thing? Hey, they say that, but conspiracy yeah. theorist inside my head, yeah, tries to thinks that they they try and make sure that these things line up conveniently. Yeah. I don't know. USC's a, USC's a fun team right now. I mean, that's that's a t- like you said. I think that's my takeaway. Is I don't know. I don't know that like I fully trust them yet, but I sure don't want to play them. All right. So, what do you think about Washington? Uh, man, I, I just kind of hate it that they gave, that laid that clunker because we could be sitting here really fired up about Washington if they hadn't laid that Arizona State clunker. Um, we would be talking about Washington like Wisconsin. I think we would. I think given that they were in the in the playoffs last year, I think they would be being talked about at an even like more elevated level but they don't have uh, i mean the win like there isn't a quality win yet no there isn't colorado oregon state cal and they're UCLA, still relying oregon. on dante pettis to, like return punts in order to, to generate offense in a lot of cases <laughs> yeah that's true so there's look this weekend this friday right i guess they're going at stanford i still think that's a game that's going to be i don't know man stanford i don't trust them do anything worthwhile uh, that's i'm yeah. having i'm having more fun with washington state right now to the point where like i'm kind of leaning cougars in the apple cup 
Yeah, I mean, Washington's going to go through the season. Stanford's not going to be ranked this week, so Washington's going to go through the season. Without a single without, ranked opponent. Without a top 25 opponent on their schedule. Not, a, yeah. not top 25 wins. Yeah, yeah. Not a single top 25 opponent. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's a, that's, I'm, I'm kind of in this place right now where I believe that USC, if they can continue to take care of business – Sort of, I guess in the last two weeks, it kind of seems like they've refound their footing. Then I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling that that USC path to, they they might be able to backdoor into the playoff. They might not, but I feel like if they win the Pac-12 championship on that Friday night, then as we're going into all those uh, conference championship games on Saturday, which now includes that Big 12 title game, I think that part of the math, like part of the playoff Final Four calculus is going to be, and if this happens and this happens, USC is in. More likely to get a, a college football playoff, Big Ten or Pac-12? Big Ten. With Wisconsin? With Wisconsin. Yeah. I think it's fair. I think yeah. Wisconsin's, I think, you know, because throughout the year, everyone's been writing them off as like the lamb to the slaughter in the championship game. It's it's clearly time to change that narrative. Dude. Like they're... Yeah. At the at the least, they're going to go in there with a great opportunity to win. At best, they'll be a favorite. <laughs> you know, like that's where we're at with Wisconsin. Yeah, like like talking about they're going to get slaughtered in the championship game as if they didn't play go like neck and neck and play a thriller with Penn State in the Big Ten title game last year. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I I I think I think Wisconsin more likely of Big Ten more likely than Pac twelve because of Wisconsin. But, um, you know, as, as we're starting to see the way this thing breaks, like if the SEC, if Auburn's able to get either Alabama or Georgia, meaning the, this whole SEC getting two in, uh, you know, isn't quite as likely. You know, Notre Dame, man, like Notre Dame season could get spoiled by Stanford. Like, as I told you Saturday, man, there's, we still got a lot of chaos wrinkles left in, uh, in this season. Yeah, there's no question. It's, it's, uh, it's about to get kooky. What you uh, let's see uh, anything UCF escaped you call, <laughs> listen my favorite thing about this was that in, on the locks podcast you both a called this perfectly and b picked against it because you said <laughs> you know what if there's a spot on UCF schedule going on the road at night at SMU this is the close win so let's lock up UCF minus fourteen and a half the ultimate hedge. Pick the cover and call the upset. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. This was, I mean, but they still they still racked up 612 yards of offense. You know, they had a couple turnovers, I think, in the red zone. Like they, they, this is this sort of played out sort of the way I expected it to. I, I picked it just on the principal play. You know, if you're, you know, you if if, if you're if you got residual income, if you got a stock that's that's giving paying you dividends, you don't sell it as soon as you know it dips you, you keep you, you you live through the dip and then watch it respond and that's why i'm gonna play ucf again next week probably and and collect my money and 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 it'll all even out but um that was about what i expected to see and and you know glad they survived it and and ucf will go on killing people how about uh florida atlantic still winning yeah five and no conference usa lane kiffin is like like he's there's gonna given the 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 inventory of coaches, Lane Kiffin is gonna be super tempting to some AD. 
just is going to be like that siren call that he just that he just tries to resist <laughs> and and just like has to be you know tied to the mast to 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 keep from from chasing him down but uh i mean he's he can coach the dude can coach offense i i, I i'm so excited I'm excited to see Lane take a selfie outside of an AD's office before he goes in to a meeting that the AD thinks no one's going to find out about. <laughs> uh, I mean, Kiffin's out here talking about like not covering the spread on purpose. And stuff I'm on saying, Twitter. like, he doesn't give a rat's. Like, you know what? The, like, it's you know what he's going to do. He's going to find out. Uh, he's going to find out like what jobs he's connected to. And he's just gonna like start posting photos of their campus on his Twitter account, but they're just gonna be like Google image search photos. It's like it's like hiring a sixteen year old, yeah, like for your head coaching yes. job or something. How how has the boy wonder even gotten more juvenile as he's aged? Why is he Benjamin Seriously, buttoning he really us? Has. Yeah. It's amazing, and yet he's still what forty two. Like like we said, I think we said it before on here. Like it's like. In the grand scheme of things, he's still just a young up and comer. Scott Frost is forty. Lane Kiffin is forty two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they're all right, so they got at Louisiana Tech, FIU, uh, in the rivalry game, and then at Charlotte, a game they absolutely should win. They'll be playing for the conference USA championship, uh, probably either against North Texas or UAB. And holy cow. You're right. There's gonna who's where? Let's 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 wrap th- on this. Got to get by Butch Davis at uh, at uh, FIU first. R- rivalry game. All right. So where is uh, what school is going to be most tempted to pick up that phone? <laughs> um, okay. Let me th- let's let's talk through this possible openings. Uh, Tennessee, Florida. No, no. Arkansas, maybe A and M. No. <laughs> what if? I would kind of love to see him at A and M. Hell yeah, I would love to see it. I'm here for it, but I don't. I don't think A and M can can withstand. I don't think A and M can handle him. Like you know what, Lane Kiffin would be more of a distraction than Johnny Manziel. I know he would be. And, per- I mean, and you that know was the, the the Manziel distraction was like their glory years. You know that Lane. That's you know the Lane, highest A and M's ever been. You know Lane would bring on Manzel as a coach, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. He would. Um, let's see. What about UCLA? UCLA. Be tempting. Would be very tempting. I mean, he's not making a ton of money at FAU. It's not like he could he could lowball just to come back and just needle USC. He would, and he would be cheap. He, yeah. He'd be willing to go for cheap. Yeah. Just to just to go because that's all. That's what motivates him. If he wanted money, he'd have stayed. I'm sure. He, I don't know. Is he getting paid more at FAU than he was at Alabama? Can't be a lot more. Can't be a lot more. Yeah, I would imagine that uh, it might. It might. He might have one of those. Uh, he he might actually have a sub one million dollar salary, but he's about to cash in on all the bonuses. Right. Like he yeah. got an incentive laden contract. He's going to he cash in me on being all a money motivated guy. I think he's just there to just. He's just there for the hustle. He's just there for the for the grind. Um. Yeah, I think because I was I was looking at the American. Like I was trying to think. Like, all right, so would he jump like to Memphis? Yeah, to a, to one of the spots where um 
they like they lose a coach, right? And he moves up. I don't know. Memphis would be actually Memphis would be te- that Memphis will hear the call of the siren. Yeah. UCF might hear the call of the siren. If I'm Memphis, I, I I'd probably hire like there. I don't know. If there's any hesitation there if you're like a Memphis. really. Oh man, that would be awesome. Yeah. What about UCF? You think UCF would go to FAU to replace Scott Frost? I don't know that Kiffin would go to UCF. Like he because would- I, th- I ultimately think Kiffin has higher aspirations, right? And so if he can make that jump from FAU to to Power Five. Why does he need to make the stop at UCF when he's already got it going at FAU? So do you think that Memphis is a better job than UCF? I think it's a different job. I don't necessarily – but I, I – like I guess – I think the, the point remains though. Like I, I, I would be hesitant to – not hesitant. I would be a, a little bit surprised to see him make that jump. Mm. But you can't ever predict what Kiffin's doing. <laughs> he's uh, – breaking news in college football – Lane Kiffin, head coach of Florida Atlantic, has agreed to coach UCLA pro bono in an incentive-laden <laughs> contract where his real estate is the only thing that's being paid for. And He's got to go somewhere that lets him hire his like renegade coaching staff, too. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Uh, anything else you want to clean out from the notebook? That's all I got, man. That's a beast. It's a the beast of a show. show. Beast of a show. Uh, by the way... still with us. Thanks. Um, it's... The opening line was Georgia minus two. I don't know where it's at right now for Auburn. That's about right. Where that's t- that's going to be tempting to, 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 to play Auburn on that one. I promise you. I'm uh, I'm have to meditate on that one this week. Absolutely. Because I'm, I'm, I think I think they could do it. It's just it's the game, right? Like uh, Auburn's defensive front forces like does a great job of putting Georgia in third and long and then like just every like the for the for once they just get the 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 perfect roll of of plays carry on Johnson is able to spring a couple big ones on the outside I mean Jarrett Stidham played well against Texas A&M and if they give him if if those coaches give him a chance Jarrett Stidham's fine um it's just a can Gus Malzahn stay out of his own way yeah that's that's the question that is the so, question. We'll hey, ask Gary that this week. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, our thanks to SeatGeek and MeUndies. Make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast because subscribers get them first. Barton, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.